so excited to see everyone in this place today. Excited to be at Life City Church here today. A couple of things. There's something I just have to do today. Um, he doesn't know I'm going to do this, but I have to do this. Corey, come on up here for a minute, bud. Come on up here. I want y'all to celebrate um, this young man. Give him a huge round of applause as he comes up today. I'm just, I'm just so immensely proud of, of this young man. And as a pastor, one of the privileges that I get is to um, honor those who serve our country um, in our armed forces. Now, Corey, you have been deployed for seven months. Yes. Seven months in Western Europe, and he is serving, defending the rights and the freedoms that we have here in this country. So I, uh, I, want, I want us to give him another round of applause, and I just want to pray the blessing of God <laughs> over him and his family. Father, in the name of Jesus, I lift up Corey and Casey, um, and Lord, that you would just give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, that these next days will be their best days, that everywhere he walks, everywhere he goes, he walks in the blessing and the liberty and the freedom that you came to give us all. Bless his heart, bless his mind. Lord, let there be blessing upon blessing upon blessing upon his life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, just a few quick announcements, and then we're going to get into what we're doing today. On uh, November 24th, um, we will be uh, serving alongside Cup of Love. Um, and I, uh, if you brought clothes for a clothing drive, you can certainly drop those off today, and we'll be out serving. If you need information on that, you can talk to uh, Rachel or Kylie, um, and they'll give you more information on that. Uh, please also mark this down. Uh, December 9th at 6 p.m., we'll be having a night of worship here. Um, at the church, just a time of extended worship that we can come together and gather um, and just be in the presence of God. Amen to that? All right. So awesome. So today, it's a little bit different. We've been in this series called Radical, and we've been talking about what does it mean to radically follow Jesus? Um, and what I said in the beginning was that oftentimes when we come to follow Jesus, what we learn is that it's not what we expected, but it's a whole lot more and better than we could have ever possibly imagined. And so what we wanted to do today was there, there are six speakers today. They're going to five minutes of fire. They're going to get up and they're going to speak uh, what God has given them in their hearts. And I want you to celebrate them when they're done. When each of them are done, you give them the biggest amen and round of applause that you can give them and just show them your support. But they're going to be talking about radical all in and what does it look like to radically follow Jesus and how that's been evident in their own lives. Are y'all ready? Are y'all ready? It's going to be fun. So with, with that said, I'm going to invite our first speaker up, Brother John Everett. Give him a round of applause. All right. Joy, don't start my time until I start reading the scripture. I see you with a quick finger on the trigger. Chill out, chill out. I need one more second. Um, welcome, everybody. Okay, so the, I'm going to try to, I timed this at home, and it was like five minutes and 22 seconds, so I'm going to try to go through this quickly. Okay, so the scripture that, that I chose today comes from uh, John 1, 43 through 46, and it says, the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come follow me. Philip was, was from Bethesda, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathaniel and told him, we have found the very po person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathaniel, can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. Now, the reason this scripture was kind of 
personal for me is because my mom used to use the scripture with us all the time. I came from a small town in Fort Myers, Florida called Harlem Heights. And Harlem Heights was, it was rough back in the day. So the only, if, if somebody said or asked you where you were from, you said Harlem Heights, they either thought you were a drug dealer in a gang um, or you had been to jail. So it was seven of us kids and five boys, two girls. So you can imagine the amount of prayer that my mom had to go through because statistically, I'm not supposed to be here today. Statistically speaking, as a young black man in that type of neighborhood, I wasn't supposed to make it out. A lot of my friends did not make it out. Before the age of 25, already, they were already gone. So she used to present this scripture to us on a regular basis. And what we began to realize is that when we talk about change, when we talk about coming to know Jesus, which I did at a very, very early age, what I also found out is that I was being judged by my environment and not my potential. Um, and so when we look at radical change that happens when we focus, we, when we look at radical change, we have to realize that we have to focus on Christ instead of our past or our environment. But the challenge with that is this. Sometimes we have to remember to forget because sometimes the biggest challenge is ourselves. Um, we can be our greatest barrier to experiencing radical change. Paul talks about this in Philippians 4.13 when he says, I have not achieved it, but I focus on one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Feel free to use this scripture with your significant other. I try to use it on my wife all the time because she has this uncanny ability to remember every single conversation we've had since we got married. So I use that, but I digress. I love you, babe. Um, the truth is sometimes we cling to our past mistakes. Spurgeon wrote, we are prone to engrave our trials in marble and write our blessings in sand. In order to experience to radical change, we have to let go of the past, though, and the perceptions that come along with it, because your past is not a predictor of your potential. The second thing that's a challenge or a barrier to um, uh, us reaching our potential or experiencing radical change is other people. Now, you notice in this scripture, Philip goes to this whole dialogue about, oh my gosh, I'm about to see Jesus. Jesus is here. He's the prophesied Messiah. What is, what is Nathaniel's response? He bypasses all the positive and focuses on the fact that Jesus from, was from Nazareth. Okay, so sometimes you'll have two types of people in your lives. Those that are like, wow, you're doing great. And those are like, mm, I don't know about him or her. Can they, really, can they really be that good? Can they really be making that kind, of pro that kind of progress? So you have two people, you have the Nathaniels in your life and you have the Phillips. Get you a Philip, Because the Phillips are the ones that are gonna focus on your progress and how you are moving forward in Christ. Some people would only see you through the lens of your past no matter how bright your presence shines. And that's what you have to remember. The other piece of this is that sometimes the change you experience will be challenged by those closest to you. Now that's a tough one to deal with because sometimes there's a person that you think is gonna be in your corner the entire time and they struggle with seeing you progress. Change is not comfortable. Change is not comfortable and sometimes not even desired. Now this is a, what I'll tell you is this, I love listening to Austin sing, I praise and worship, but I gotta repent sometime because of my gym music because my playlist is not holy. <laughs> so when we talk about change, sometimes we get comfortable where we are. And sometimes comfort can be the enemy of progress. So we have to look at it, it, it like this. Sometimes we get so accustomed to dysfunction that, the, that change becomes a burden instead of a blessing. And we look at it like that because we want God to reform us and not revolutionize our lives. Now, what do I mean by that? By that reform means you're just making an improvement. If you revolutionize something, you transmute it. If you transmute something, you're changing its very form. Okay, Ephesians 4, 21 through 24 says, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. What you have to understand is this, God has called us to experience a radical change that can only come through relationship and an intentional focus on Christ. 
By shifting our focus, we can experience the joy and hope of a, of a radical new future. And when haters ask us anything, because I, well, the question I would leave you with is, what is your Nazareth? Mm. So if they ask you, you know, what good can come out of that addiction? What good can come out of that abusive situation? What good can come out of Jacksonville? What good can come out of Life City Church? Mm. You can respond like Philip did in, in confidence. Come and see for yourself. And up next is Rebecca Brett. Come on and give her a shout. Okay, before you start my time, I just want to say I'm sorry. I'm not a good speaker. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. God does not consult your previous experiences to determine your future success. Pastor Shannon Eaton. Over the last three weeks, Pastor Shannon has spoken to us about radical changes. Another quote he gave was, radical living requires radical change. That struck home with me. If we want change, growth, or blessings of favor in our lives, we must step back and take a look at how we are living. What changes need to be made in our lives in order for radical living to take place? What areas do we need to give over to God for us to become completely all in with him? For me, it was letting go of my past, coming to terms with it. Recognizing my past for what it was, a jumbled mess of justifications and rationalizations. I was angry at God. I was angry at the church. I was angry at the man I was married to at the time. I was angry at the truck driver who killed my best friend. I was angry that my womb was left empty. I was angry that I lived my life the way I was told to, only to be left empty and alone and broken, questioning my existence, questioning my worth. I married my first husband at 19. He and I were very active in the church. I fell in love with working with the youth. He was someone who felt called to the ministry of missions and just doing what God wanted in his life. We, you know, we were working with the youth. I, I, again, I fell in love with it, and I, I was a wife. I belonged to somebody. I thought I had found my worth. But my husband, my ex-husband, he didn't value me. I did not have worth in him. He did not deem me worthy unless I did or said everything that he expected me to. And when I didn't, he turned to other women. And I was supposed to be okay with that because it was me. I wasn't upholding my wifely duties, so that excused his behavior. If I couldn't find my worth as a wife, then surely I could find it as a mom, right? But no matter what medical interventions we tried, my womb was left empty. I was told my body could not conceive. During all of that, my best friend was killed in a car accident. She was the same best friend who told me that I was crazy to think that getting pregnant with this man would make everything right. Years later, we divorce, or we separate, and I decided to take life back into my own hands. It was my turn now. I lived the way God wanted me to live. I did everything that I was told to do, but God, it's my life now. I'm taking it back. And I did, and I tried to find my worth in the wrong 
every wrong place you could find. And in doing so, that left me with a very unexpected and unwanted pregnancy. Why, God? Why now? I begged you to bless my womb for years, and you left it empty. And now that I left my husband, I'm pregnant. Well, you know what, God? I'll show you. Me, the girl who was a strong, always a strong pro-life defender, who stood in picket lines, protesting abortions. Guess what, God? I'm getting one now. And I did. At seven weeks, I aborted that baby that I begged God for for years. I was finding justifications for my actions. I was blaming him. I was blaming my ex-husband. It wasn't my fault. I didn't do it, but it was. And years later, I met Sean and came clean to him about my past relationships and my abortion. And it was only then that I was able to see that my justifications for my actions were so deeply flawed. It was only then that I was able to see just how angry I was and how I used that anger to justify my sin and disobedience. But guess what? The second I gave all of that up and laid it down on the cross, I was forgiven. I found my worth. I found it. Jesus saved me. He forgave me. And I am worthy simply because I am a daughter of our Most High King. And no one will take that away from me. No one can take that away. And I cannot find my worth in anyone else but Him. Finding forgiveness in Him has allowed a radical change in my life. And I can radically live for Him. What is it in your life that may be holding you back? Break free of those shackles of fear and shame and sin and live radically for him. Come on and give God praise for his amazing power. Next up is Sean Richardson. Good morning. I tell you what, this morning's been rough. I know we've, had, uh, we've talked about it this morning. We talked about it in our huddle uh, and if you, ever wanna, if you ever wonder whether you're in the right place and you're following the right guy and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing right now at this time on Sunday morning, look at how hard the devil works to try to stop you from doing it. And that's what he was doing with me this morning. He was doing a few others this morning. And relying on that, you know, my, my verse was Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. And when I look at this verse, uh, it's trust for me. Uh, I wasn't a Christian my entire life. Uh, it was late in life when I became a Christian. So I trusted myself and my decisions and my choices for a very long time. Uh, and when, when I became a Christian and it came time to hand all of that over to a God that I was still trying to learn and understand, it was very hard. And I held things back. Uh, more importantly, certain things that I just wasn't going to trust him with. Uh, and that was, in my part, my finances. You know, I, I gave him my marriage at the time. I gave him my kids. I gave him my career. I gave him everything I could give him. But I wasn't giving him my finances. I still needed to control that. And what it did for me is it put me in a, min in a mindset that I wasn't trusting him with everything. So when something would go wrong on the marriage side of it or the kids side of it, whatever it was, I would automatically revert back to trusting myself and making my own decisions and, and not relying on him. Uh, and it led to many bad decisions. It led me to, to be in a position where 
I ended up divorced. I ended up addicted to painkillers and losing a marriage, uh, not being the father I was supposed to be, not being the son I was supposed to be. And uh, what I found, you know, aren't we glad, aren't we lucky that we, we serve a God who doesn't pick and choose who comes into his kingdom? You know, you look at the stories of the people that are on this stage and the people that are in the audience, and, you know, I, I don't deserve to be here. You know, if I, if I go based on what I believe and what I think, I don't deserve to be here. I don't deserve to have a God that is all in for me every day, no matter what I do. I just don't deserve it. You know, when, when the addiction came and the divorce came, you know, I knew the fire that I was going to walk through. And, I under, and I'm happy that God will let us walk through the fires that we create for ourselves. You know, he's going to let us suffer our consequences for the decisions that we make, but he's a God that's not going to leave us in those consequences. We don't have to live in those consequences anymore. You know, and when I, when I came to the fire that I was coming to, you know, God doesn't, to me, God doesn't let you walk through a fire when, and not know what the outcome is going to be on the other end. He's not going to say, hey, well, let's, let's let Sean walk through this fire and this cre- what he created and let's hope that something good is going to come out on the other side. He doesn't do that. And what's great about it is not only will he let you walk through the fire knowing what's going to come out on the other side, but he walks through it with you. He's, he doesn't say, hey, hey, Sean, you know, you created this mess for yourself, and I'm going to let you go through it, and I'm gonna, I'll meet you on the other side, and we'll, we'll see what comes out of it. No, he's there every step of the way. He's holding your hand. He's got your arm around you, whether you're in a fire, whether you're in a valley. It doesn't matter. He, if you're in a valley, he's down there. He's not sitting up at the top looking, saying, hey, you know, I'll see you when you get back up here. He's down in the valley with your arm around you saying, come on, son, let's get out of what you're in, and I'm going to show you the way to get out of what you're in. Oh, my phone went off. Ooh, doo, doo, doo. So, you know, I guess that's where I'm going with this is that we serve a God and we have a God that is all in for us every day and he deserves, he deserves nothing less from us. Be obedient with your finances. Be obedient with your time. Be obedient with your love and your compassion and your kindness. You know, give when you don't have it to give simply because it's going to put a smile on somebody's face. Say hello to someone that you would normally not say hello to because you don't know whether you are the only person that's going to speak to them to that day. You don't know what they're going home to. You don't know what's going on in their lives. It's just not that hard to be nice and be kind to somebody. It takes nothing on our part. And the Bible tells us that, we, that we're supposed to live like that because that's what the Bible says. But I think that Yes, we should live like that, but we should not only live like that because that's what the Bible tells us to do, because, but because that is what Jesus, that is the way Jesus lived for us. You know, he, he was there, compassionate, kind, loving, no matter what the situation was, no matter what they were going through, he was there for them. So be all in for Jesus simply because that's what he did for you. Come on and give him a shout. That was awesome. Next up, Rosie Emanuel. Thank you, thank you. Good morning, everybody. Um, when I was asked to give a word today, I had no idea what I was going to talk about. I'm a quiet person. I don't even know <laughs> what to say half the time. But um, 
my husband saw that I was struggling, and so he asked me a simple question. He said, why do you love Jesus so much? And um, as I tried to formulate an answer, I started to feel the tears falling down my face. You know, most of my life, I felt like an outsider looking in. I felt like it's been a hard, it's been hard to find a place where I belong. And when you're a quiet person, it's easy to just be misjudged and dismissed and lied about and spoken about because they don't understand who you are. But it was in his presence, it was spending time with him and getting to know him that I started to find my identity, that my identity was no longer separate from him. And so in his presence is where I felt like I belonged. And so the answer to his question was, I love him so much because he's my very best friend. Some of us know what it's like to have an intimate relationship with Jesus, to be known fully by him and yet to be loved and, uh, and accepted and understood. And others of us wonder what it's like to get to know him that well, because we think his love is conditional. We, we think we have to master certain things in our walk with him in order to know him well, and we're afraid to do it because we're afraid of what he's gonna ask of us. So we play it safe, we hold back, and we keep our heart to ourselves because he couldn't possibly give us the desires of our hearts. What is God's response to that? Don't you know that I formed your soul? Take, take comfort in the fact that I know exactly how to satisfy it. Let's not hold these things that we hold dear to our hearts so closely because we're not keeping them safe. In doing so, we're leaving them vulnerable to the acts of the enemy. The things that we hold dear to us, like our dreams, our hopes, our fears, those things aren't for us to hold, it's for God to hold. His scripture says in Jeremiah 31.3, God says that he has loved us with an everlasting love and has drawn us to himself by his unfailing kindness. Jesus tells his bride, the church, that's us, in Song of Solomon chapter 2, rise up, my darling, and come away with me, my fair one. In the clefts of the rock, in the hiding places on the mountainside, show me your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. His desire is intimacy with us. Psalms 107.9 says, for he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. So how do we get to know Jesus better? Let's look at his interaction with Simon at the boat. It says that in Luke chapter 5, Simon was toiling and spinning all night. He was trying to get fish. He dropped his net in the water and couldn't, and couldn't catch a single fish. And then the next day, Jesus stepped to him into his boat and tells him, drop your net for a catch. But Simon's response to him was, Master, I've been toiling and spinning all night. I haven't caught a single fish. But the next part is what's important. It says, nevertheless, he dropped his net. So the question to you is, why did he drop his net? The chapter before that, it says that Jesus went to Simon's house and his mother-in-law was sick with a high fever. And it says that Jesus healed her. It says he rebuked the fever and it fled from her. And in that small encounter with Jesus, he set the stage for his encounter with Simon Peter. So Jesus comes up to Simon and says, drop your net for a catch. And Simon says, beside what Simon said before that, he dropped his net. 
And it says that the fish were so plentiful in the net that it started to burst under the weight of the fish. So my question to you again is, how do we get to know Jesus more? The answer to that question is surrendering it all to him. It says in his scripture, Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways. It says in Ecclesiastes 11:5, Just as you cannot understand the path of the wind or the mystery of a tiny baby growing in your mother's womb, so you cannot understand the ways of God who does all things. So when we hold on to the things that we hold dear to our hearts, we develop a false sense of security. We gain true control over the sacred areas of our lives when we place them in his hands. So church, one more time, Jesus is saying now to us what he has always been saying, let it go. Let go your dreams, your hopes, your fears, your emotions, your goals in life, let them go, surrender them all to me and follow me. Awesome job, Rosie. Next up, Austin Pillsbury. Give him a shout. Thank you. Usually I'm used to hiding behind an instrument, so forgive me if I'm a little nervous. Out of my comfort zone. That's a good thing, right? So um, my original plan was to talk a little bit about how to hear God's voice. And then the Holy Spirit was like, Nah, bro, you're going to talk about something else. <laughs> so um, the reason why is because as I just listened to all of you guys share your hearts, um, and as I was praying this morning, uh, what I felt like the Lord wanted to do, do today um, is just release identity over, over us. And I guess that's just a very over-spiritual way of saying, I feel like God wants to tell all of us who we are and remind us who we are. Um, and that's kind of what I'm hearing in, in their stories. You know, you, you, you see an individual sharing about their past, about how they were changed so radically. And maybe if you haven't experienced a change like that, you might wonder, okay, well, how does that happen? What, what is the thing that kind of makes that click? And in my opinion, what I've seen in the scriptures and what I've seen in my life and what I've seen in the lives of those that I have seen God change so radically is there's a moment where as an individual, you encounter the person of Jesus. And in that moment, Jesus convinces you that he's good and he convinces you that, that he wants you and that what he's done for you defines who you are and your own life doesn't define who you are. Um, and that's not to say that you know, your experiences and your hurts aren't valuable to God. It's, it's the opposite. When you encounter Jesus, he wants to take all of that and show you the true meaning behind it. Um, I think when we live our lives without Jesus, it's just kind of like we're surviving and we have good experiences and bad experiences and those things kind of shape who we are. But when the gospel comes, the gospel says, I'm going to shape who you are, meaning Jesus. I'm going to shape who you are and I'm going to shape your life off of who I am and what, what I'm able to do rather than you shaping your life and your identity off of your experiences. And in my walk with Jesus, um, I feel like when I get off track, it's when I start reacting to life instead of reacting to what he's saying about me and, and who he has told me that I am. And um, what I feel like he wants to release today over somebody's life is I feel like he just wants you to know that, um, that he's good, he's not mad at you, that you are his child, you are his daughter, you are his son, 
no matter where you're at in your life, you know, if you feel like you, you, you don't deserve a relationship with God, or you feel like it's just not possible for you to be connected with him, um, I feel like the Lord just wants to remind you that the gospel is unconditional love. Um, one, of the <clears throat> one of my favorite quotes is from uh, an individual that I listen to a lot. His name's Todd White. And one of the things that he says is, the cross isn't supposed to just expose our sin. The cross exposes our value. And I feel like there's somebody here today, what you need to hear is that God is not looking to figure out all the things that are wrong with you. God wants to convince, convince you about all the things that are right with you. Um, and to show you that your life and your identity isn't supposed to be formulated by the world. It was formulated by him before the foundations of the world. And that the second you start allowing what God says about you to shape who you are, to shape your actions, you begin to actually tap in to the thing that Jesus was tapping into when he lived his life. Something that Jesus said was, I do what I see the Father doing and I say what I, what I hear the Father saying. And you might ask, okay, well, how, did, how is Jesus so connected to God? It's because Jesus was fully convinced that he was a son. I think here's where we miss it as Christians. We think that we're just supposed to kind of get close to the way Jesus lived. The scriptures say that as he is, so are we in this world. And that the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives in us. And so I felt like the other thing God wanted to say to somebody here was, if you're a believer, the standard for your life is Jesus. And it's not through effort that you get there. It's through grace and accepting and believing your identity. And from that comes a lifestyle of living like Jesus. So all the things he said, all the things that he did, the miracles, the signs and wonders, the provision, the, the joy and suffering, all of that you have access to through receiving God's word over your life and believing your identity, which is released through relationship with him. The only way we can know what he says about us is by letting him speak to us, by being in his word and developing that relationship that Rosie was talking about. So I challenge you guys this week, spend some time, be alone with God, ask him what he says about you and start to believe it and it will truly unlock the gospel in your life for you. Thank you. Great job, awesome job. Next up, Brother Des, Desmond Mitchell. Good morning. Okay, briefly, I just want to give some definitions, um, please. All in is to be completely submitted to something, radically, in a thorough and fundamental way, completely change, make or become different, take or use another instead of life, the existence or the essence of. So we could say, Instead of all in, how Jesus radically changes our lives, we could say how Jesus in a thorough and fundamental way completely makes us different, even our existence or the essence thereof. I'm in college, so I just wanted to. <laughs> Some of the reasons we may not want to be all in or allow Jesus to radically change our lives, I think is because we feel we're too full of sin, we're too sinful, or we don't deserve. Or we, we, it's hard for us to receive from God because we feel we, we're, we don't deserve it. So I wanted to read uh, Romans 2 and 4. It says, or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness? Or in other words, do you think you're not good enough? Do you think you're unworthy? Do you think you're undeserving? And patience 
and not realizing that God's goodness is intended to lead us to repentance. It's not that we're good enough, but because of what he did, he makes us good, he makes us right, he makes us in right standing. And I wanted to read uh, Luke 5, 7 through 8. It says, so they signaled their partners and the other boat to come help them. And they came and filled their boats uh, so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. We think we don't deserve it. We think we're not worthy. Well, we're not, but he has made us worthy. Amen. So we, we can receive his love. You know, a reason we, um, so, so that's one of the reasons we may not think we can be all in. But a reason, how we can find out, I'm sorry, to find out who you are in Christ so that you can be all in and allow God to radically change your life. Um, the scripture, Galatians 2 and 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ I, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I now live in this body, I live by faith the, and in the Son of God who loved me, who gave himself for me. Um, Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrated his love for us while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So um, there's no excuse not to be all in for Christ. Amen. When you know who you are in Christ, you won't compare yourself to anyone else. Amen. We already, um, we, we already, we, we've been accepted. Amen. Um, so I, I wanted to um, get out of my notes now. Um, I accepted Christ when I was 13 years old. So I, I was all in, um, haven't been perfect, but um, I, I had to allow God to radically change my life about five years ago. Um, I was a minister preaching the gospel, was engaged, had a beautiful fiance. She preached the gospel when she would minister. I'll be on the front row. When I'd minister, she'd be on the front row, my biggest cheerleader. Um, and something happened, you know, the one who was providing the counseling, the one who was giving the advice, ended up violating her and betraying me. But I had to make a decision to be all in. How could I abandon what Christ had done for me? How can I abandon the story of the cross when I knew it was real? How could I abandon and forget the gifts that God had called me to, to give to his body? angry, mad. I went through every emotion and um, I, I didn't trust for about a year. I just walked around um, just kind of faking it till I made it. But I had to remember how God, he saved me and he delivered me and he healed me and called me and filled me. So I had to make a decision, either you're going to be in or out. And being kind of born and raised in church, you know, that, that's all you know. I couldn't abandon it. So I don't want you to look at this group or look at me and say, oh, they, they, they're perfect. They all have it together. I had to make a decision. Either I'm going to knock somebody out or I'm going to be all in for Jesus. So I chose Jesus and you can choose him today too. Amen. Uh, didn't these communicators do an awesome job this morning? It's so awesome. Um, and one thing that 
Um, I want to tie this all together um, in this series called Radical, and I, I, I pray that as you um, have listened to each and every one of them that you've heard the same thing, that there is authority and there is power tied into knowing who you are in Christ. When you realize what your identity is in him, there's an old saying that if you don't allow God to define you, this world will. Come on. If, if you don't allow God to show you who you are, then this, this world will. And there's a scripture that says if there's any man that's in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Why am I saying that, Pastor? Why are you, you talking like this? Because there are people who've come in today, and you may have come in struggling. You can bow your head at this time. I just want you to have a moment of you and God after hearing these messages about identity, but you've come in and you've been struggling. You may have even struggled last night. There are people who may be dealing with private um, struggles, private addictions, um, different things that are going on in your heart and in your mind, but you made it your decision and your business to be here today. Your, your, your being here is not an accident. I need you to understand that. This is God's invitation to you to be all in. He's not asking you to clean yourself up and clean everything up yet. He just wants you to accept his invitation. His arms are wide open. Before you ever came to a problem, he already had a solution for it. There's not anything that has taken him by surprise. And so I want you to be lifted and encouraged by the word that these communicators have shared uh, today. If you come in today and you say that as I was listening to these messages, something Lord spoke to me. He dealt with me about an area that he needs to, to work in. Just slip your hand up. Nobody's looking around. Nobody's watching. Um, I just want to know who we can agree with in prayer. Amen. Amen. I see you. I see you. I see you. God bless you. God bless you. This is your moment. And we're going to pray in a few minutes, but I'm going to pray a general prayer uh, over everyone, but one of the things that I want to encourage you to do when we're done and when we're finished, um, there are people who've been praying for you all week. They've been praying for your arrival all week, and you're here, and they, they, they're here to serve you. Um, you may just, sometimes you just need somebody to just grab your hand and touch and agree with you in prayer that God would work. Uh, the Bible says where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst, and Sometimes all God wants us to do is just humble ourselves and say, I need you. I need you to pray with me about this and trust God to work in this situation. And so our prayer team is here, ready to serve you after the service, uh, if you desire as well. And then there's a second group of people that I want to pray with today. And I'd never embarrass you as pastor. I'd never call you out or make you come up to the front. Uh, but you may have never started a real and true relationship with Jesus. If that's you He's given you that opportunity today. That's why you're here. Um, and, and he's not asking you to fix everything. He's asking you to trust that he died for your sins and that he rose three days later. If that's you um, and you never accepted Jesus or you need to recommit to him, just slip your hand up today. Um, and I want to agree with you in prayer as well. God bless you. I see you. Amen. Amen. Hey, you're here by divine appointment. Amen. Did anyone else? God bless you. All right. I want everybody to pray uh, together. And so just, just pray loud like you believe it. Father, 
Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this day. Show us who we are in you. We refuse to let this world define us. We won't be defined by mistakes, by failures, by accidents. We'll be defined by you. Forgive me for every area where I've gone wrong. Help me get back on the path. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for my sins, for rising three days later. I place my faith in you. I rededicate my life to you. Take my hands, take my feet, take my heart. They're all yours. Sit on the throne of my life and be Lord in Jesus' name. Let's celebrate those who've made a decision today. Listen, as I've said, um, you, you know, if you desire prayer, you just want somebody to pray with you, our prayer team is up and we'll uh, be glad to, to just pray with you at the end of the service. And please, if you don't leave before I get a chance to show you some love outside, um, I just want to just greet you and let you know that I'm so glad uh, that you came. And lastly, if you came prepared uh, to give, uh, we, worship, we believe in worshiping the Lord with our tithes and offerings. Well, we never make a big deal about it, but we want to thank you uh, for those of you who so faithfully support and tithe and give um, to the work of the Lord. There are several ways you can do that. You can give um, in our kiosk outside. Um, it's clearly labeled. You can give at www.lifecityjacks.com or you can text to give and all of those ways are available to you. Well, let's, uh, let's give one more round of applause to these amazing communicators. I'm so proud. Um, as pastor of each and every one of them and being so real about how Jesus radically changes our lives. Let me pray blessing of God over you and then you will be dismissed. Father, in the name of Jesus, uh, we lift you up. We thank you for everyone who's been here today. We know that their coming was not an accident, but by divine appointment, they're here today. If they have life they have purpose. It doesn't matter how bad their story has been up to this point because we have the faith to believe that you write the final chapter of our book. And so we give you praise knowing that you're able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we could ask, think, or imagine. Now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us before his presence with exceeding joy to the only wise God be glory, majesty, dominion, and power forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Find somebody to hug and greet on your way out.